Very good morning to each and every one of you. I have a couple of Bible readings this morning, and the first one is from the book of Acts and chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and uh, firstly we'll read from uh, verse 35 to 37. Dean, would you mind reading it for us, please? Acts, Acts chapter 4, verses 35 to 37. Okay. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Thank you. I want to speak to you today about a Bible character called Barnabas, and I thought that we could get some lessons uh, from his life. Now, originally, we see here in these verses that his name was Joseph, and this means that adding. Joseph means adding. And he was a person who added much to the kingdom of God. He achieved great things for God. There was much people added because of what he did. And there are many lessons that we can draw from his life uh, for our souls. Now, uh, right here in these last two verses of Acts chapter 4, we see that um, he had a land and he sold it because there was a great need that he saw uh, among the believers of that day. This is the very first time in scripture that we make his acquaintance. This is the very first time that Barnabas appears in scripture. He was a Levite who sold his field and he distributed the proceeds to the needy. Now, as a Levite, he really shouldn't have owned a field. Uh, the Levites had a system where they depended on God for the provision of their needs. But as early as Nehemiah 13, we see that Levites did own land. And um, uh, this had proved to be a lifeline to them. Whenever they didn't have any income coming in, they used to use these fields, the support of it for them to live. Now that Barnabas was a Christian, he had no hope of any support from the Levitical system. He was no more a Levi, he was a Christian. So there was going to be no more support for him. The land, it was his only hope of support, but yet he sold it. He had no other way of supporting himself. The field was his last line of defense against want but yet he sold it. He had removed a financial prop and he embarked on a lifetime of dependence on God. He embarked on a lifetime of dependence on God. There was no safety net for him anymore. He took away the safety net. His life, we will later see in scripture, 
it was described as a life of faith, full of faith. And let this be a lesson to us. God is faithful. He is still faithful today. He could look after the ones who were most in need. He can look after you. Barnabas believed on it, and so he took the opportunity to get rid of the financial resources that he had, and he distributed it to the poor. Now, in the New Testament, there are two Levites that are mentioned. The first one is Barnabas. I'll give you the opportunity to tell me who the other Levite was in the New Testament. If you know the answer, raise your hand up. Uh, Matthew's name was Levi, but he wasn't a Levite. Okay, well, we'll find the answer in Luke chapter 10 and verse 32. There, in the story of the Good Samaritan, we read about the Levite. He is the, only the second Levite to be mentioned in the New Testament. And I want you to notice the difference between these two Levites. In the story of the Good Samaritan, the Levite, he saw the need, but what did he do? He looked and he passed by on the other side. But this Levite, when he saw the need, he sold his land and he gave it for the distribution of the needy. Let that be a lesson for us. Let us also follow the same example that Barnabas set for us. Now, I want to go on to our second reading for today, and I'll ask our brother Dean to read it. And the next part where we encounter Barnabas is in Acts chapter 11, and this is where we are going to spend the main part of this morning's message. Acts chapter 11, and we are going to read from verse 22 to 26. Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Thank you, Dean. The church in Jerusalem decided to send Barnabas over to the church in Antioch to help them when they heard the great things that were happening there. And I want to pick it up. We're going to look carefully at verse 23. Verse 23 tells us that when he came and had seen the grace of God, he saw the grace of God. How does one see an invisible attribute like grace? How do you see that? Let me tell you. You see, uh, God's grace to the sinners at Antioch uh, was observed in their changed lives and personalities. You see, if you have not accepted the Lord as your personal savior, 
If he is not the master of your life, I urge you to receive him in. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as the master of your life, he will change your life. He will make your life whole. He will do great things in your life and others will be able to see the difference in your life. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it tells us that we were all walking according to the course of this world. We were all sinners. Every one of us was born in sin. And how is it that we can remove ourselves or change us from that position of sin? You see, uh, we were walking according to the course of this world. The world as we know it, they are all sinners. They are all doing terrible things. We know it every day. We are tempted to sin. You are tempted to sin. I am tempted to sin uh, from the day we were born. But yet grace can change all that. You see, uh, if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, you will see that we, once our lives were changed, we started walking in good works as God's purpose was fulfilled in our lives. And how did this come about? How did we suddenly become good? Well, the answer is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. By grace were we saved. By grace. Grace is what changes us. Grace is what saves us. And so, there is a transformation in our life when grace comes into our life, when we have been saved, when we have depended on God, He will do things in our lives. So, how did Barnabas see grace in Antioch? Because he saw changed lives. He saw men and women leading lives pleasing to God. Let me put it this way. If there has been no change, then there has been no grace, no salvation. If you are still leading a sinful life, if God hasn't worked in you, then there has been no grace or no salvation. If you have been truly saved, there will be a change in your life and others can see it. Now, uh, verse 23, so he came and he had seen the grace of God and then it tells us that he was glad. He was glad. This man had a big heart. He had no involvement in this mighty work for God that was going on in Antioch, but there was no jealousy in his soul. It was somebody else's work. They had done all the good work, and when he came and he saw this great work being done for God, he was glad. He was happy. You know, the human heart is such that we are not happy when somebody else is doing something well. Isn't that true? We, on most cases, we, are the, our sinful nature um, doesn't allow us to have joy. But here he was glad. Now, there is an example given to us in Acts chapter 15 and verse 3. There, the believers in Phoenix and Samaria, you will see that they had the same attitude. They caused great joy unto all the brethren 
when they listened to Paul and Barnabas given their missionary reports, they were happy to see other works for God going on well. Now there are occasions in scripture when we see that good work that is being done for God is brought down by others who are not happy. Let us be those that are uh, good-spirited, that we want the best uh, for other people's work. Uh, in John chapter 3 and verse 30, we see the example of John the Baptist. He said, he must increase, I must decrease. He was happy for others to have the glory. He was happy for others to have the limelight. Let us be people like that. Then I want you to notice next his exhortation in verse 23. He exhorted them all, it tells us. At Antioch, Barnabas went round all the believers in the church there, exhorting them all. That is what we should also be doing. We should be exhorters in the master's service. We, read, we really need motivators like Barnabas today. We don't need uh, rather than pessimists who greet every new initiative with reasons why the venture is doomed. Uh, uh, think, for example, of the ten spies. The ten spies in Numbers 32 and verse 9, it tells us that they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. They didn't think it would work. They only saw the difficulties. Pessimism is infectious, isn't it? But by contrast, enthusiasts like Barnabas, uh, who can spur people on, such brothers and sisters are invaluable in God's service. You be like them. You be like Barnabas. You be a person who motivates others, encourages others. Uh, you give the same exhortation like Barnabas did. Then I want you to notice next, we are still in verse 23. Uh, so he saw the grace of God. He was glad. He exhorted them all. And next it says, with purpose of heart. He exhorted them with purpose of heart that they should cleave unto the Lord. It all begins in the heart. In the heart, that is where it all begins. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, it tells us that he purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled by uh, what Nebuchadnezzar was offering. He purposed in his heart. If you, my brother, my sister, purpose in your heart that you want to do something for God, you can do it. But it all begins in the heart. Are you willing to take that step for God? Are you willing to um, not let good intentions be stifled, but rather go on and do it for God? And then I want you to notice next that um, the exhortation. The exhortation was to cleave with purpose of heart that they would cleave. What is cleave? Cleaving means you avoid looking back, having put your hand to the plough, you hold on to this good work that you are doing for God. In Luke chapter 9, 
and verse 62, it tells us about the once you put your hand to the plow, you sh shouldn't turn back or look back. You should be like that. If you have decided to serve God, if you've decided to live for God, cleave on to that and continue doing what God's purpose and will for your life is. You see, it involves resisting temptation uh, in the day of battle. There will be times when Satan will test you. Satan will bring temptation to you. But you have to be able to resist that in the day of battle, even when you have every resource that you need. Now in Psalm 78 and in verse 9, there is an example that is given to us. And the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. You see, they had every resource that was available, was available for them. They were fully armed. They had all the tools, but they didn't use it. They turned back. You have all the teaching. You are being well taught and fed. You are being given all the tools to live for God, to live for Christ. Can you use it in his service? Be like Caleb in Joshua 14 and verse 14. It gives us the example of Caleb. And Caleb, he was cleaving because it said he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Do you see those words? He wholly followed. Not in a part here, not in a part there. He gave his all. He gave his entire life. That's cleaving. He wholly followed the God of Israel. In John 15 and verse 5, cleaving is abiding in him. And the only way is by cleaving is to make sure that your life will be fruitful. Abiding in the wine. And then uh, you will bring forth much fruit if you cleave unto God. So uh, at a practical level, this is what it means. It means that cleaving means constantly reading your Bible every day. I know that there is times when the busyness of life, uh, there are days that come when you have no time to read the Bible, when you have no time to focus on God, when you have no time to commit yourself to God. But cleaving with purpose of heart means reading the Bible every day, staying in communion, communication with the Lord Jesus. Cleaving means a disciplined prayer life. Every day, moment by moment, praying. Cleaving means habitually gathering together when the Lord's people meet in the church. Not missing out on Mondays or Wednesdays or Sundays. All the meetings that your leaders of your church gather together, you participating and attending is of utmost importance. That is cleaving unto God. Cleaving is maintaining communion with God. If you treat things sporadically, haphazardly, if you come and go, that is not cleaving. My brother, my sister, please follow the example that Barnabas has set for us. With purpose of heart, cleave unto God. Then I want to move on to the next verse in Acts chapter 11, and that's verse 24. I want to point out about his character. It says in verse 24, 
for he was a good man. You see, an explanation for the zeal and commitment of Barnabas is given here. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Now, there is only three people in the entire Bible who have been designated a good man. Now, I know that there are many uh, translations of the Bible, and I'm talking about the King James Version here. Only three people in the entire Bible are called a good man. One of them is Barnabas. The second person who is called a good man is found in Luke chapter 23, and I'd like us to turn uh, in your Bibles, please, Luke chapter 23, verses 50 and 51. Luke 23, and I'll read verse 50. And behold, there was a, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same, verse 51, had not consented to the counsel and the deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Joseph of Arimathea was also a good man, the Bible tells us. Now, why was Joseph of Arimathea given the name a good man or given the so described as a good man? Look carefully at verse 51. The same had not consented to the council. You see, what it was was, in those days, there was a Jewish council. There was 24 of them, most probably. And 23 of them wanted to put the Lord Jesus Christ to death. One man, Joseph of Arimathea in the council, he did not consent. Imagine how difficult that is. You're in a group of 24, and you are the one person who does not agree. 23 others putting pressure on you. How difficult is that? It says there in verse 51, the deed of them, the deed of them. He did not do that deed. They did it, the other 23. They consented to him being crucified. How difficult was that? And that is why the Bible terms him as a good man. And then continue on to verse 52 there. It tells us that this man went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Not only did he stand firm for God among the Jews, his own people, he then went into where the Roman stronghold, all the way to Pilate, and he asked for the body of the Lord Jesus. How difficult was that? Because when you go up there and say, can I have the Lord Jesus' body, immediately they know that you're one of his supporters. They may even crucify you for coming and even asking that request. But yet he did it for God. He boldly and selflessly took responsibility for his burial. Good men put the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ first. Barnabas was a good man. Joseph of Arimathea was a good man. My question to you is, who is the third good man in the Bible? Now, if you are able to search the scripture without using the modern technological aids that are available, uh, uh, because that will make it a little too easy. And I won't give you the answer today, but I'll be here throughout the week on Monday, Wednesday, and next Sunday. Come and tell me if you are able to find out uh, who the third good man is. I'll give you a little bit 
of homework. Okay, so uh, let us go back to Acts chapter 11, and we were at verse 24. For he was a good man, and it tells us that full of the Holy Ghost, full of the uh, Holy Ghost and of faith. You see, um, being full of the Holy Ghost means the Holy Spirit had control of his life. He was under the direction of the Holy Spirit when he came to Antioch. He was under its influence, and so he was so pleased when he came and found things going greatly for God. And that it was uh, the Holy Spirit that prompted him to exhort the believers there. Uh, my brother, my sister, here's the lesson. May God help us all to be sensitive to the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let us be submissive to the leading and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Let him guide us in our actions. And then also, notice that it says he was a good man, he was full of the Holy Ghost, and it says, and of faith. The faith of Barnabas also receives a mention. He really believed that God would continue to work at Antioch. He poured his energies into this project. He was full of faith. Barnabas had confidence that God had begun uh, something great there and that he would maintain it. And he was determined to be an enthusiastic participant in what was going on at Antioch. Um, and his commitment to God was well rewarded. Have a look at verse uh, 24 there. It says, and much people were added unto the Lord. He did all the right things. He did all the exhorting. He had full of faith, all that. And then God rewarded, much people were added. You see, my brother, my sister, if each of you took it upon yourself to be just like him, even these empty seats here would be all full. Much people will be added. You can go out and win souls for God. May we be encouraged to be like Barnabas. Then I want you to notice next in verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Why did he do this? Why did he decide to go and bring somebody else to join him in the ministry? Now, a spiritual life cannot just be um, sustained exclusively by, for example, reading the Psalms only. Or it cannot be sustained by a diet of singing. Or it cannot be sustained by just a small bit of this or that. You need to have proper Bible teaching, understanding God's word. That is how your spiritual life will grow. There must be consistent teaching of the word of God, and we must understand it. Now, what did he do? He decided that he wasn't uh, up to the entire task himself, so he decided to go and bring somebody else to help him. Now, there is some very instructive lesson in this for us. You see, Barnabas was willing for somebody else 
to eclipse him. He knew that Paul, when he came to help him, being a better preacher and a teacher, that he would take the limelight. But yet he was willing to do it. Let me give you an example. Uh, turn please to chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 7. Acts 13 verse 7. There you will see the name Barnabas and Saul when they were first called. You notice whose name is first? It's Barnabas. Then, uh, uh, I skipped a verse there, Acts 13 and verse 2. Uh, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas's name was first, Saul was second. They went out and they were doing work for God. Acts 13 verse 7, Barnabas and Saul. And then we come to Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. Now Barnabas and Saul becomes Paul and his company. Paul and his company. Barnabas's name has got hidden in his team. Then move along to verse 43, Acts 13 verse 43. Now when they mention Barnabas and Paul, they're reversing the names. Paul is coming first, Barnabas is second. Did you notice that? Again, in verse 46, Paul and Barnabas. Then if you move on to Acts chapter 14 and verse 9, the same heard Paul speak. No more are they hearing Barnabas. Acts chapter 14, verse 11, when the people saw what Paul had done. You see, it takes a big man to be able to invite somebody else into join them in the ministry, knowing that they will be eclipsed in the ministry. You see what kind of a character Barnabas was? You see, let us also uh, be like him. Diatrophus, he loved to have the preeminence. Not so Barnabas. Let us have a slice of the humility, the willing to work as a team player, willing to be eclipsed, we can achieve much for God. He was willing to be eclipsed if it meant the spiritual well-being of the saints. The fact that he invited uh, Paul to Antioch and allowed him to move ahead of him in the ministry, that tells us everything that we need to know about his character. Then, uh, I want you to notice that uh, they gathered together in verse um, sorry, we are at Acts 11.26, we are back there. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And they assembled together themselves with the church and taught much people. Now, it tells us here that this intensive teaching program was sustained for a full year. Now, this is probably unrealistic in modern society. Now we have pressures of employment, having to work many hours, uh, evening activity at work, frequent travel, uh, and then there is a scarcity of jobs, so we cannot easily give up the jobs. We have young mouths to feed at home, uh, and so the situation is not, it's far from ideal, it's not according to the time that they had in those days. 
but yet we must be willing at every opportunity that is presented to us to gather together to study the word of God. We should be willing to take that. For a whole year, they were willing in those days to gather together and to learn from God's word. Do we have that same enthusiasm for the word of God? That same longing to learn more about the Lord Jesus, to learn more about God from the scriptures. You see, because they were so keen to do it, do you know that the reward that came their way? Well, it's found in verse uh, 26. They assembled and they were taught for a whole year, and the disciples were first called Christians, first in Antioch. You see, the effect of the ministry was to see the disciples called Christians for the very first time. The teaching had produced Christ-like features to the extent that they now bore the name that publicly linked them with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Barnabas had come to this new place and then what an example he was exhorting them to cleave, purposing in them in their heart, uh, pushing them along to achieve great things for God. Much people were added. They faithfully gathered for a whole year, listening to the teaching, allowing them the, the word of God to work through them, allowing the Holy Spirit to control them. And in the end, for the very first time, they were called Christians, right there in that place where Barnabas decided to go and visit. So if we all were to put our minds to be like a Barnabas today, I can assure you that great things could be done for God right here at San Ramon Valley Bible Church. Amen. That you will have much people added, maybe much more than was added even at Antioch. And if you all pull together and serve God, a great amount can be done for him. What was that hymn that we sung today, uh, Dean? Give of your best to the master. Give of your best to the master. Give of your best to the master. Uh, we saw today how uh, Barnabas, the only support that he had was that piece of land, and he got rid of it, and he left no safeguard for himself. We saw that how he came, when he came to Antioch, he saw grace. He saw grace right there. He saw grace. Why? Because people's lives had been changed. They had listened to the word of God. They had allowed the word of God to affect them. They had decided to follow what the Bible says. If you allow that to happen in your life, people will see grace in your life. And then we saw that he was glad. He came and saw other people's work and he was happy. We saw that um, he had no involvement with that work, but he was someone who was happy for others. We saw how he exhorted them all. Uh, we really need motivators like Barnabas today. We saw that with purpose of heart, he encouraged them to cleave for God. It all starts in your heart. If you decide you want to live for God, 
It can happen. It can happen. You can see all these seats full. Cleaving means constantly reading the Bible, praying to God, being at the church whenever there is a meeting that is gathered here. That is cleaving, not missing one, being here the next Sunday and so on. That's not cleaving. Holding on to God for your life. Then we saw his character. He was a good man. You see what it takes to be a good man? He was a good man and so much people were added. Joseph of Arimathea was a good man. And you saw what it took for him to get into God's good books. Are you willing to be a good man or a good woman for God? And then we saw that he was full of the Holy Ghost, allowing the Holy Spirit to control him. He was full of faith. And then finally we saw that he was willing to go and seek out and find Paul. Even though Barnabas and Paul soon became Paul and Barnabas, and then Paul and his company, and then no more mention of Barnabas. It was only Paul doing all the work and everybody going and listening to Paul. He was quite happy to play the big part and allowed this more uh, talented preacher to go and win more souls for God. Are we willing to stay in the back seats? There are lots of roles that you can, lots of ways you can serve God. Speak to your elders. They will tell you how you can help to serve God. And if you do this, God will bring great blessings upon your life and great blessings to your church. And then you will be a great blessing to so many people. You can touch the lives of people. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for this opportunity that we have had to look at the uh, life of Barnabas. Uh, there is much more to learn, but even from these small uh, illustrations, our Father, that the scripture has given to us, we pray that this may be an encouragement to us to live for him, to serve him. We pray, our Father, that if there is anybody here who has not yet committed their lives to the Lord Jesus, that they may be willing to do so, willing to let grace take an effect on their lives, to see the change that the Lord Jesus can bring to their lives. Part us now with thy blessings. We ask this in the altogether lovely name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.